Welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. This was another big one for us. We got Robbie Takak, the bass player of Goo Goo Dolls, and he was super easy to deal with, so we're pretty thankful for that. Um, Chris and I sat down with Robbie and talked about the early days of the Goo Goo Dolls. We talked about their start and their rise in Buffalo. We pretty much went up to the album Jet and stopped there as far as their timeline. We can save the other stuff for a future episode. Get a little touch on Music as Art as well, which is the free music festival that Robbie holds here every year. We brought in a big gun for this one. We tapped EVR of Home of the Hits fame to help us with this because he knows pretty much everything about, you know, quote unquote, cool music in Buffalo since about the early 80s. So he was definitely awesome and we were glad he helped us out. So sit back and relax and enjoy this deep dive into the early history of Goo Goo Dolls with Robbie Takak. The Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. We are here with Robbie Takak. Everybody introduce yourselves. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Eric Van Rysden. Hello. And I'm Robbie here. Some people so, may know who Robbie is, but we'll we'll get into who he is real soon. <laughs> you'll figure it out as the episode goes. <laughs> I guess we'll start with your beginnings into how'd you get mixed up in music? Where did it start? Uh well, like like a lot of kids who play guitar, I, I couldn't hit a baseball and uh, w- w- wasn't so good at math, um, you know, and so you got to find some vehicle into chatting with girls. And I think that that was probably mine, like around third grade and uh, started getting into bands and uh, didn't mind playing. <laughs> I didn't mind playing goalie or bass, uh, which meant that uh, I could play with the older kids. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I got into some pretty, you know, cool bands with some older kids who really knew how to play when I was young and, uh, you know, playing cover songs, rock and roll songs, um, you know, but, uh, you know, aside from uh, playing trombone in uh, grammar school and such, you know, I, that was pretty much, you know, my uh, uh, my introduction into the whole thing. Was was your trombone experience the standard Buffalo and suburban schools, or it's like here you have to take an instrument, trumpet or trombone? Yeah, well, my dad, well, my dad had one in the basement, you know, oh, so so uh, I sort of inherited that, uh, you know, the trombone gene, I guess. <laughs> but but I mean, I guess you know it did help me, you know, to hear, you know, what was going on in that register, you know. So I guess it wasn't. It's not strange that you know I. Uh, you know, uh, picked up the bass guitar and was able to, you know, uh, learn stuff off of records and such, yeah, by ear. Yeah, before so, we came, before uh, we came on, I was mentioning these guys some things, but uh, you also had some radio experience before. Yeah, the band started, if I remember. I, I don't know the exact detail. I don't remember the exact details, but you were involved with Woo, right? Yeah, well, my first radio station was underneath my parents' uh, staircase uh, in in uh, West Seneca, and uh, I would broadcast out to to my friends <laughs> who who were good at sports, who uh, were playing out front, uh, and so I play music for them. I'd have a couple turntables and play into a walkie-talkie, 
that I had the button rubber banded down on. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I would play, you know, my Stampeders records and stuff, you know, and for, uh, you know, for these folks. And, uh, you know, and I always wanted to be a DJ. So, uh, so uh, that I kind of headed in that direction. And yeah, I was involved at Woo Woo for a while, which was great. Um, for those who don't know, what is Woo Woo? Woo Woo is 1077. Uh, it was a progressive rock station, uh, pretty adventurous uh, for the time, you know, and I got to work midnights there. Uh, I was an intern at first and uh, I got to work midnights there and met some really great people, Marilyn Rogers and uh, Lee Zimmerman and Jim Santella. And, Gary Storm uh, part of that? Yeah, Gary Storm was there. Yeah, he's um, he's a pretty he's a pretty big Buffalo legend for he, exposing a lot of people to music they might not have ever heard. Yeah, absolutely. I actually still follow a lot of what he does. It's pretty, you know, yeah. you know, it's pretty exciting. He's still he's still a, a true fan of music, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, I I caught the tail end of that regime. That's when I first started there as an intern, you know, and Gary and Bob Allen and that whole gang was still there mm -hmm. and. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's when radio was like, you know, the Wild West, man. It was insane, you know, the things that went on. There were people taking transmitters over and whipping pipe bombs at, at the studio. And like, you know, it was just like <laughs> it was just like another day, you know, uh, you know, just crazy Buffalo uh, radio. I don't know. It was fun, so was man. Super fun. But uh, yeah, uh, I was there for a while and <clears throat> um, I ended up. Uh, doing shows on some other stations as well. I voiced the edge for a few years, uh, in Buffalo, 103.3, the edge. Uh, I did their, all, all their, uh, imaging stuff for them for a few years. So, you know, I've been involved a little bit in radio over the years for sure. Yeah. I did so, a show on the lake. I don't know if you remember the lake, you remember that station? Yep. Yeah. Just showing the lake for a while. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, the Fox. You remember the Fox? Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I pop in and out of radio, but, uh, you know, it, it's, I've been lucky enough to be able to, you know, be on tour and be in a band and stuff. So yeah, you, had, awesome. you, had a, you had an illustrious career at the old pink also. I still, still even up until like, the late, like until a couple of years ago, I would still have people coming up going, I remember when Robbie used to DJ here and, I was, and I'd be like, well, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Big shoes uh, to fill. Oh no, dude! You're you're you are you are uh, <laughs> the, the stuff. Legend is no. made of. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> so I just want to ask a question real quick. Uh, talking about taking over, like uh, you know, pipe bombs and taking over transmitters. Was that like different radio stations battling each other, or like what was that about? <laughs> no, that was sort of internal politics that went on at Woo Woo. As a yeah, as I watched as a. Uh, as a wide-eyed intern all the stuff going on you know um yeah you know um radio was kind of a different business then you know it was it was run by people who were pas passionate about music and passionate about exciting radio you know i mean it's it, things are really different now you know yeah, it wasn't the it's all mega corporations and you know, and, and one guy in one town formats stations for like 20 different stations, you know, so it's like, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's really changed, you know, and, 
you know, the web's been pretty amazing. You know, it's been, it's been a pretty amazing vehicle to get like exactly what you're looking for. You know, I can't, I can't even tell you how many times, like it, it just happened a few days ago. Somebody said, Oh yeah, yeah. I hear there's a, a concert coming up, you know, the first big concert in LA after COVID. And I'm like, Oh really? You know, it's like at the, I don't know. It's like at the, I don't know, Los Angeles stadium, whatever. And, and, and I didn't even know the band, man. I had never heard of them before, you know? And I'm like, how can, how can I miss this? Like a band that can fill a stadium, you know, yeah. I think it's, yeah. Uh, but you know, um, you can find exactly what you're looking for these days, man. You know, and you don't have to stray off that road at all. And uh, yeah. yeah, so, 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 I mean, it's really set up a, a whole different thing, you know? So when, it, when the band first got together, like, I know that I remember John was playing with the Beaumonts who are all mm -hmm. high school buddies of mine, including your cousin, Paul. Mm -hmm. And then, um, did did you guys know each other before that affiliation with Eddie Hay? No, John and I met uh, with the Beaumonts. Um, that's that's when we first kind of started hanging out. I was also playing in a band with George, you know, who was playing drums at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of playing in those two different bands. Uh, the Beat Generation was the name of that band, oh, and uh, yeah. yeah, and I had I had just kind of entered the scene. Uh, you know, I I was living out in the suburbs you know, playing Black Sabbath covers, you know, until, you know, until, uh, you know, uh, 82, you know, um, when I started to meet people downtown and yeah. realize, you know, there was a great big world out there. Yeah. What was the, uh, when you came into the scene, what was the first show that you went to? Like, what were the first bands you saw? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, I remember seeing Suicidal Tendencies down at Scorgies in oh, yeah. Rochester, yeah, that was fun. Uh, bless you. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else? Um, man, man, it's so hard to think. Uh, were you at, were you at the Husker Du show at the? Uh, no, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Um, I remember the. I think the Beaumonts played the Minutemen show. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I wasn't hanging with those guys quite yet. Okay. Back then, but but uh, but that was like a quad show, though. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Mistaken, was all day right? outdoor. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. what, what was it? Um, uh, Powder French played too. Uh, I don't know if you remember them, but it's yeah, like seeing, I do. Seeing like seeing that outside at like six at night in the sunlight, yeah, was yeah, like yeah. just didn't work for me at all. No, nah, well, you know, it's, you know, and the gospel. Art Grindle, was that his name? Yeah, Art Grindle, yeah. He had yeah. like a smoke machine. He stood in front of the stage and it would just kind of go straight <laughs> up. And it was like, in hindsight, it was like, I wish I had video of that because it's one of those like, <laughs> most those bands, what things. Kind of, like, what, what kind of bands trying were to accomplish here? Like the Beaumonts and like that band you just described. What, what kind of bands, what kind of music were that? Well, I mean, it was a lot of... Uh, I don't know, like like the Beaumonts were kind of like what, like a suburban kind of punk rock band, I guess, exactly. you know? Yeah, like they liked, you know, like the, I think they liked the replacements a lot, you know, you know, mm -hmm. like the first, first of replacements record, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just, you know, old, old punk rock stuff, you know? Um, 
you, you know, it's funny, like like uh, bands, you know, like the Dickies and stuff like that, you, you know, like older, older groups like that, Bad Brains, you know, like like all those bands were sort of like one generation prior to like the Beaumonts, you know, the Beaumonts were sort of like like the the uh, they were sort of birthed of that scene, sort yeah, of, totally. you know, and it was yeah, it was sort of like this like suburban punk rock thing, you know, <laughs> you know, it was exciting to see like. I had never really experienced anything like that before, you know, so to kind of walk into it. And I was this kid walking in with a kiss t-shirt on going, Whoa, what, what, what the fuck is this? You know, like I had never met any of these people before or anything like this, you know, and like, you know, like that whole scene at the continental back then, you know, was, you know, it was really a scene, you know, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, it was really a scene, you know, there were like a lot of people hanging out and, um, you know, it was really a place, you know, where the misfits could kind of hang out and, and feel like rock stars or something. I don't know. It was fun, you know. Dancing in uh, front of the mirror. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, or like anti-rock anti stars. You know, it's funny, though. I was in a band, man. I never made it in front of the mirror, man. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was always, I was always was standing always, around, always standing around getting loaded. You were always downstairs at 3 a.m. trying to get your $100 on a Bud Burke. <laughs> That's exactly what I was remember. Like you only Crazy. played fifty-five minutes. Oh the Continental had like a, how many minutes is how much you get paid thing. You uh, had to play well, an hour, right? Yeah, you were supposed to, but but it was crazy. Sometimes you know, sometimes didn't let, sometimes they didn't want you playing that long. I remember for a while, like when we first started getting headline shows, we were so broke that we could had we could hire the rest of the bands for the day. So like we just used to like put bands together <laughs> like with our friends you know you guys just walk up there for 15 minutes and play butter, butter walk up after a while but from the kind of walk up after a little while go okay stop man <laughs> like, enough, enough. The, the first time i finally saw you guys because i was down in fredonia up until uh the uh spring of 87 was like just after the record came out I remember it was July fourth, nineteen eighty-seven, and you guys played the Continental. So I've I've seen Bad Brains before, or I'm sorry, saw Goo Goo Dolls before you did. Probably. Yeah, That's, I was, mark I was this moment. Mark this moment in history. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> DVR to something. Okay, I got a I got a good story though about uh, firsts with these guys, but the um, it was July fourth, nineteen eighty-seven, and you guys had this like American flag banner. And you just just ran around the crowd, wrapping the crowd in this banner. And yeah, I, it sounds I'm right. Going, These motherfuckers have wireless systems. What the hell? Is going <laughs> Dude, on? I, I, I gotta I, I gotta be honest. We had wireless systems before we had amplifiers, man. That, it was like that was yeah, when we were, you were gonna be you're gonna make it because if you're that committed <laughs> to not buy cables. <laughs> no, no, we we. No, that was the absolute first thing we bought. Like, like, like we did like one gig and we were like stuck to each other and we were like, okay, this is yeah, never going to work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I remember we bought these, the, these natty, natty 49 GTs, they were called. They were about this big. They had one antenna. Mm -hmm. It was like one channel, man. It's like you had one shot. And uh, if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, it didn't. And uh, actually, I have a funny story about those. One time we, when we were first touring, we still had those things. We were playing at um, the 930 Club, which was directly behind uh, the theater that uh, Lincoln got shot in. Yeah. And uh, we're doing sound check one day. We're playing. And, and these things were so cheap. You know, they only had a couple channels. And we're playing. And 
John's, you know, through his distortion pedal, you know, because he had shitty amps. And uh, and some guy comes running in in a suit going, whoa, stop, 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 because John had the same wireless channel. Is some dude that was doing an afternoon show in the Ford Theater. And apparently, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently John's, John's guitar was like blasting through the Ford Theater. <laughs> very, very primitive devices back then. But, uh, yeah, that, was, anyway. that was a cool place. Another, um, yeah. another funny memory is um, when uh, uh, Neurotic Family did that Sonic Youth show at the Painters Hall. Um, Oh, yeah. I can't. Um, Shady Crady, the who are now Mercury Rev, uh, right. were um, opening. And uh, so we came up from Fredonia because of Sean from Mercury Rev's Fredonia connection. We are old friends. Mm-hmm. And we we're going to do sound for them. And um, so, like, Sonic Youth are all hanging out. And, and I was like, yeah, you guys want to go record shopping? They're like, yeah. So we got in their van and we drove up to, we, we stopped at Sparazza's. I don't think he was working, though. And then uh, we went to um, Home of the Hits. And as we walked in, it was the day they received stock copies of the first Google Dolls album. Ah, and really? The place was full of people buying this album. <laughs> and they're playing it. And it was like this amazing energy. And Sonic Youth was just looking around going, like you said earlier, like, wait, what is this? What We don't know about this. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> We had him fooled in Buffalo way I, before I anywhere else, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, this is a new Google Dolls album. I bought that in a, a Wire album. I remember that. Oh, it was just so funny because they're like, like, what is what is Google Dolls? I was like, you know, I was trying to explain it to them, and I hadn't even seen you yet, you know, which is funny. yeah, yeah. Were you working yeah. home at a hits then or not? Me? No, 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 no. I was still, I was a senior in college still. Okay, yeah, before so I graduated. Way before. Yeah, like first time I saw Goo Goo Dolls, you guys opened for Bad Brains with Third Man In. Oh, when, that was uh, great, man. When HR was taped to the desk. Yeah, dude. Was that at, I got, was that at the uh, UB? Yeah. Yeah, at the Talbert bullpen. bullpen, and he jumped in the crowd, man. Yeah. Like he, They tipped in the He's like, that was that was one of the crazy. And, and remember, they pushed the stage back mm-hmm. against the back wall, man. Oh, that was crazy. And, and, and dude, this is a this is a true story, man. There are people who will back me up in this. We were sharing a dressing room with bad brains that night. Right. Yeah. And we all had the flu, man. Like, like, and we pulled up and we were like, ah, and somebody said, okay, your dressing room's over here. And apparently nobody had told bad brains. We were sharing a dressing room with them, man. And we come busting into this room and HR swings around with a gun, gun, points a gun right at us, man. And we're, and we're like, oh my God, it's me and George. And like, we just, we just like hauled ass out of the room. Like, and dude, that was crazy. Dude, and I had like 103 degree fever, you know, I was like, I was like what is going on? Yeah, that was nuts, man. Uh, yeah, dude, some of those shows are crazy, you know, just so exciting, man. You know that yeah. one in particular was amazing, man. There, yeah. there was never, a, there was never a show with you guys that I went to before I moved to New York in '89, like middle of '89 or later '89, where it wasn't just the most fun energy. Um, every time you guys played, it was just like, you know, like I mean, you guys were so tight and so. Um, uh, good at what you were doing, but but the energy too was just incredible, and and the crowd was have so much fun. Kyle Brock yeah. right up front the whole time, and yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, 
you know, the scene, the scene back then was super exciting. And, yeah, yeah. you know, we got, we got kind of lucky because uh, we ended up in, in a bunch of trouble at a bunch of places. We played a few places and some stuff got broke and some tabs didn't get paid and whatever, man, just, and we ended up in situations where we didn't have anywhere to play in Buffalo. So like we, we were finding gigs all around, just trying to find places to play and, you know, making up gigs for ourselves, you know, like, finding places to play and already stepped in and you know all of a sudden was finding us like amazing already quitch off uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah i was telling for, him earlier for, about our, oh, like some yeah. of the things about already and, and, like yeah. he just stood there with the cricket bat while you guys were here <laughs> no, and when, speaking of like finding places to play do you remember playing on your porch on elmwood yeah man and uh yeah oh my god that was why don't you tell that story yeah we uh that was the, the record release party for our first album and uh, we uh, went on the loudest uh, voice we knew, WBNY, and <laughs> let everybody know that at some point, somewhere on Elmwood Avenue, we we're going to have this show. And so we had a bunch of our friends drive their cars. And uh, as soon as they all got in front, they just, <laughs> they just stopped their cars. It was on the corner of Elmwood and Bird. And we were up on the second floor and we set all our gear up and we, drop the blankets off of the 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 the, uh, the uh, railings and all our gear was up there and we just started playing <clears throat> our friends stopped their cars so nobody could get in the police couldn't get in and nice. so we so we got about maybe i bet you seven or eight songs in before before the police finally drove up across all the lawns <laughs> and, yeah and came in and literally busted into the house and uh came up the stairs and, and grabbed the guitars out of our hands which was pretty exciting man. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty exciting <clears throat> you know what that's on tape somewhere man not on uh audio tape actually that's i was funny. never very i was never very good at saving stuff but uh but uh yeah that's on audio tape kicking around somewhere yeah but i think you know you, you know who i think has it uh uh, I, I was gonna say a kid. I think he's like a college professor now. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Derek Daniels. He used to be in a band. Oh called, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he was in a fallacy. Band Pathetic fallacy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're actually yeah. we're gonna have him and Charlie Carbone on at some point. Oh, they the, man, they're awesome dudes, man. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't seen them in years, but like we had a we had a great time together. We made like a practice space album together. It was really, it was great. Nice. Super fun. Yeah. What year was that port show? What time frame are we talking about? Would have been a 86. That would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And, 86 uh, or 87? 87, right? The maybe, maybe 80. Yeah, maybe 87. If that's when yeah, the album I, came out. I, I, the only reason I remember your album, when your album came out was tied in with that Sonic Youth show. That's the only reason. Oh, ah, okay. Exactly okay. Yeah, like, and I remember yeah. because that's around when I got into things and I heard about it. Ah, that. okay. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was fun, man. That was, that was. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. We had some, we had some great shows back then. Like just that kind of stuff, like playing at like Elks Lodges and those know, Elks Lodge shows those were always fun. Hey, yeah. That, building, that building's for sale, man. Someone's got to buy that. <laughs> a lot of history in there, man. <laughs> a steady venue in Buffalo that could last decades. Something to think about. <laughs> Bring it back. Listen, it won't take much to, to get see. it back into the shape it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's a couple of kegs of stale beer. You're yeah. all set. And a, and a garbage can full of jolt. Everybody's all yeah, stuck. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of shows, just going to touch on a rumor that's been floating around for years. 
and it finally get truth or debunked. The rumor is that you guys used to put the Chromags on your flyers for people to come to the shows. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but actually what did happen was the Chromags were booked at mm-hmm. a show at Painter's Hall in Buffalo, which is now I think the fire, de- fire department yeah, it's the or fire, something. It's the fire station on Elmwood in Virginia. Yeah, it was called the Painter Hall. And uh, this guy named Bill Wolfel he, uh, used to do shows. Uh, he, he booked all the Buff State shows too. Yeah, what was what was his company's name? I can't remember what they were oh, called. Oh, jeez. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, they had a Cro-Mag show uh, booked for that evening. And uh, uh, essentially, I don't know if they weren't booked or they didn't show up or what happened, but we ended up playing the whole. Both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we ended up getting uh, to play the whole night is actually what happened. We ended nice. up playing two sets instead of one set. And there were a couple other bands, too, that played before us. But that's not a bad idea. You know, <laughs> I think it's a little late yeah. for you guys now. Yeah, like, yeah. you, you might not want to do that now. No, yeah. like, like, like you too. Yeah. Yeah. The Chromex are putting you guys' name on the flyer. Yeah, all both versions of them are doing it. I, one thing I always thought, one thing I always thought that really led to your your success was how. You know, ability, you know, years later, was that you guys, no other band in Buffalo worked as hard as you guys did. Every time you guys would jump in a van and go across the country and play wherever, whatever, with Dan, right, Dan in the mm-hmm. van. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and it would be like, and we'd just be sitting there thinking we were really cool in these practice places playing the Continental. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, you're like, oh my God, they're on tour. This is incredible, you know? And then meanwhile, you guys are probably like, Hovered around like a space heater in the back of a van, sleeping yeah. on top of each other. But to us, yeah. it was super glamorous. Yeah, well, like I said, we had them fooled. You know, the fact <laughs> that we weren't, you know, the, the fact that we weren't home was was key. You know, yeah. I think I, I think, uh, like I said, we had a hard time finding gigs in Buffalo, and so that was really good for us. Um, because it forced us to find gigs elsewhere. And, you know, when that starts happening, you start to find momentum in, in what you're doing and you start to meet club owners and you start to meet more bands and, you know, you hang out in their cities and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you got a network of 30 places you can go play, you know, and, yeah, yeah. you know, off, you know, and then you're off to the races, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, the great thing, and I'm not sure it might be the same now. I don't know. I don't, I don't really hang out in the, in the in the uh, bars so much anymore but uh, you, you know like but i think that back then you pretty much were sure there were going to be 100 people watching your band you yeah. know like if like if you were going somewhere on a weekend you were yeah. pretty sure there there were going to be some people there especially if there was like a local opener that you knew and you know it's like you know but i there I weren't as with... many bands back then too so whenever like yeah there was like oh a punk rock band i'll go now it's like you know, there's like 300 bands on the Warp Tour. You know, it's, it's different. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I work with a with you know with some you know with some smaller bands now from Japan, and and I send them around to play and stuff like that. And it's it's it just it doesn't feel like it did then. No, yeah. Like if, it really feels like you got to like really work on getting those you know 35 people out 
to see we're a play, kinda, you know, yeah, and they know, right. and they know half the people in the audience, you know, from, from, right, right. from talking to them online and stuff. Well, I was going to say like what you were talking about the internet earlier kind of plays a part in that because now instead of people having to go to shows to see bands and learn about mm-hmm. new bands, they can just go on YouTube yeah. or Bandcamp yeah. and like, ah, I don't like this band. I'm not going to go see them or what have mm-hmm. you. And then it turns into smaller amounts of people and half of them being your friends because of that. Like, yeah, it's a totally different thing now. Yeah. So, you know, it felt, it, it felt like back then. And for some reason we, we were always very, very lucky in like, you know, like our first record came out on celluloid. So celluloid had enough big names attached to it that like we could find a booking agent, you know, because one of them, you know, would stick us on some gigs and we we're getting, you know, a hundred dollars a night or something. So it wasn't, you know, a, a huge tax on people and they were putting a little bit of money behind us, you know, so it really worked out for us you know, where we could take all these opportunities that we already had, you know, and put together kind of a decent tour for ourselves and, and, and have a booking agent kind of put it all in a place that made sense and fill in all the holes. So, you know, we were able to go out for three months, you know, we would come home fucking insane, but, you know, we would be able to go out for three months, you know, and, and kind of make it happen. And luckily we had a, you know, we always had a couple of straight edge guys, Driving along, <laughs> traveling along with us. Yeah, so Dan, Dan was the ultimate soldier, man. He was, he was, he's one of those guys. It's like he, yeah. he fought in the trenches. Yeah. Well, you know, having like Artie out with us and, 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 uh, uh, I don't know if you remember a guy named John Drenning. He was, yeah. he was like a, yeah, like old Weasley. He's the punk rock samurai guy, you know, and he would just sit behind the, the wheel for like 15 hours, just. <laughs> You know, we'd be like, hey, man, you OK? He'd be like, don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, and, you know, we'd is, that, the next... is that how you ended up recording the Zero Tolerance Bad Blood 7 inches from John Drenning, the John Drenning connection? Yeah, John Drenning um, and and uh, Andy, uh, Andy Parker. Andy Parker, yeah. Yeah, Andy Parker uh, was, um, you know, he was one of the, uh, I don't even know what you call it, uh, uh, the biggest proponents of, of our band back then, you know, he really, you know, uh, uh, Andy was great. Yeah. Yeah. He made sure, yeah. I mean, he made sure that sort of like we were included in this scene that was, it was pretty, you know, it was was a bunch of kids, but it was a pretty exclusive scene, you know? And like, we really weren't the typical guys, you know, involved in that scene, man. You know, like most of those guys were straight edge dudes and, you know, they were hanging out and, you know, we were not straight edge dudes by any means. And, and, uh, but, you know, Andy was always, you know, really uh, great about keeping us around and putting us on great shows and stuff like that. So, so we got to know all those guys really well. It's, it's always interesting to see the, uh, like the, the interconnections between Buffalo bands, particularly when, especially for people outside of Buffalo, they wouldn't think there is a connection. Like who would connect like Goo Goo Dolls to Zero Tolerance? Yeah. You know? And then yeah. it's like, oh, two guys from ZT were like your roadies and making sure that you were on stuff. And like, it's just, it's the, the connections are always interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we used to play shows together back then too, you know, yeah. you know, just, you know, just cause you know, we were, you know obviously a much different band than now so you know it was like for some you know we would do shows with cannibal corpse you know we would do we would do shows with uh the moment you know who were like you know like this you know kind of like folky alternative band you know um 
you know, and you know, and all points still, in between. Still, my favorite Buff- still one of my favorite Buffalo bands. Yeah, yeah, great band, great band. You know, and but you know, we could play with all these different groups, and you know, I don't know. I I think it was really difficult for people to put us in a in a place when we kind of first came around. I don't think we really fit in any one place, and I think that's how we ended up on Metal Blade. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, like doesn't make much sense that we would end up on that label if you look at their roster you know yeah, no, but, it was always i always thought it was weird it was like this doesn't make any sense at all yeah <laughs> yeah but i think that was just it was just sort of like the lighter end of what they did you know and well, and it was I, I, I gotta assume it was a somebody was at the label and loved you guys and just wanted and was like i want to you know i want to have these guys on our label well yeah well mike faley from buffalo okay worked at metal blade that's right yeah Yeah. and he managed talus and you know you know all those i think he still manages billy sheehan to this day you know um yeah so he was there and um you know our first label dean brown route you know cellulite dean brown route from buffalo was there what's that yeah yeah right exactly exactly yeah you know and 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 uh you know you know we've had uh you know, great luck with people, you know, going from Buffalo and sort of moving on and doing other things, places and, you know, deciding to bring us along with them. And, you know, that's a pretty great thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, Well, those are the friendships you make, you know, I mean, like you guys, you know, when I first moved back to Buffalo in 87, I I mean, I knew the whole of the hits crowd a bit, you know, like uh, Phil and Jim and Marty and all those guys, but I didn't really Mm -hmm. know anybody. And but I got to know Casino and all the Death Ranch guys. And then mm. yeah, I just basically would walk up to you guys and, and you were the most approachable guys. And and it it was nothing was forced. It was like you guys were just like the coolest guys you could meet because you guys had this great energy and it, it always it always meant something yeah. to me because it you know got me into the scene quicker, you know. Yeah, well, we came from this weird world to where you were supposed to actually like be the people that yeah. you were yeah. when you were in your band you know and so uh <laughs> you know you're supposed to be honest about the things you wrote and stuff and and uh you know and and uh yeah so yeah yeah it, but i mean uh, like i said the scene was so supportive you know back then that if that it really uh and you know it still is now in a lot of ways you know it's just sort of a different you know, the eras have changed, you know, so yeah. I think the scene doesn't need to be as all inclusively supportive now as it did then, because there's, there's mechanisms in place, you know, Marty, Marty was a mechanism, the Continental was a mechanism, you know, like, because that, because that was the only mechanism, yeah. you know, Bill Wolfel and Artie, and, and you know, Neil and, Harris at UB. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, so many of these people, the Pipe you Dragon. Know, yeah, pipe. I was just gonna say, you know, the pipe dragon. Yeah, you know, like all these places, you know, are places that, you know, like you were saying before, man. You, you know, like those are the places you would go to discover things. You know, Gary Spraza's place. You know, home of the hits. You know, all these places. You know, now, now you can sit here by yourself and your, you know, you, you know, in your room and and discover so many new things, but you don't necessarily have the interaction with yeah, folks. Yeah. And that's part of what made it so exciting, I think. Yeah, totally. yeah I, I agree completely. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, it was so much better in our day, you know. But mm. but 
it was, it was. I really value it. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to say it. These, these guys would come into the room, hold their heads, and be like, Oh, I hope Eric likes what I'm buying today. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh, this is great. Give me your money. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember me one, blush. Of favorite, Stop it. one of my favorite <laughs> early shows with you guys. You had the couch on stage, and you had your friends oh, yeah. sitting on the couch yeah. the entire show, <laughs> and you guys played around them the whole time, and they just sat there drinking, yeah. and on the watching couch, TV, like watching TV. Room. Yeah, we had a TV set up. Where yeah, they yeah, yeah. watching TV. Yeah, yeah, but, I remember like, that. that. You guys funny. brought a couch into the continental. Yeah. <laughs> the- you know, man, anything. Man. We just, you know, we just wanted to. We just wanted when people came and saw us, wanted them to leave and talk about it the next day. You yeah. know, that's that's what was exciting to us, and and uh, so you know, no one ever knew what was going to happen. You know, and and you know, our 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 uh, notorious now notorious substance abuse problems uh, at the time. You know, where it sort of led us down some roads where we weren't making great <laughs> great decisions during during the shows in order to make these things. Uh, uh, you know, exciting. So I think people were wondering if the shows would even finish most of the time. You, it's a, you know? it's a, it's the crazy energy, crazy energy was great. I, I mm. remember also the, the, I, I just, I moved back from New York and I was back in, um, and I started at home the hits and the old bank or something. And then, uh, uh, and then um, you guys are playing CBGBs. And so, like, I was like, oh, shit, I, yeah, I want to go and get a trip to New York. So I, I think I was with Artie's sister and a couple other people in this car, and I didn't even really know them. But we we got there just in time to see you guys. And the place was packed, and everybody, it was, you guys were on fire. It was great. And I just remember thinking, the rest of the world is getting this. This is cool. This is really cool. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, when you start to see that, you know, it's wild. But. I mean, I don't need to explain, you know, like you go do that and, and then you come home and you're like, what the hell, what the hell just happened? You're, you're sitting back yeah. in your house and you don't have any money again. Yeah. You know? yeah John's <laughs> barbacking at the condo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's how our lives were, you know, for the first 10 years, you know, we just, you know, we didn't have any, you know, we didn't have anything, man. And, and, uh, but you know, the shows were always awesome and, and really, up until then, it didn't matter that much to us, you know. I mean, what mattered was we were able to do it, you know. We were able to make it happen, and and uh, we felt like we were getting better at what we did, and we felt like the records were growing a little bit every time, you know. Which, you know, is you know is to this day important to us, you know, and and you know, it like like at least don't repeat yourself like that's the most important thing you know and and uh you know and that was important back then too and i think that that's what has sort of allowed us to put out records for this long you know we never we never got to a point where we sort of had to rely upon doing this thing that we are good at in our 20s you know we just can sort of keep doing what we're doing and craft what we're doing to, to 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 what we're currently doing and and uh you know it's been working out pretty good so when was the when was the first like kind of extended touring that you guys did? Was it before Artie or after Artie kind of came to the picture? Uh, it was uh, during Artie. The, the first one was with a band called Gangrene from uh, uh, Boston. Boston. They yeah, they're like a 
a skate skate punk band mm-hmm. and we did probably 35 dates with them around the u.s following following them around in a in a van with all our gear you know, van with no windows how you far know, how the, far west did you get on that we did the whole country we did the oh, whole wow. country and and uh and uh you know a, a big chunk of canada too and uh it was a really long tour and uh we learned a real lot <laughs> in that time um and i think it was it we learned some valuable lessons i think uh really early on watching a band that was kind of successful a little bit successful sort of unravel as 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 we were traveling around and you know at that point you know we were kids and we were like you know strong you know strong like bold you know and just watching you know watching these guys just sort of fall apart and you know it was it was uh you know it was an experience to watch you know and and uh, not to say <clears throat> that we didn't repeat some of the same things along the way but we, at least we were aware that we were doing them <laughs> you, you did them your own way yeah. <laughs> what year was that tour that was probably 89 88 maybe yeah that, that makes sense uh, that yeah makes sense. yeah something like that yeah and it was on that tour was actually i think jed we had just finished jed mm-hmm. but it did we didn't put it out we were waiting to put it out for some reason. And so we wait, I think when spring that tour was right. Yeah. yeah spring of 89. Cause the uh, record release show was April 1st to 89. Yeah. Or maybe we released it right before that tour. I can't remember, but, yeah. but, um, but it was right around that time because, because we had recorded that we had, we had recorded that record and we finished it and, and, and we kind of weren't happy <laughs> with the way it sounded. And it's funny. I listen to it now and I'm like, why were we happy with this? But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we kind of went in and kind of reworked it uh, a bunch with Armand um, yeah. Petrie and that's, and, and that's when we kind of first started working with Armand. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then we went out and uh, did that tour. And at that point, you know, like most of the tours that we did uh, for probably five years after that, were never, like with one band where we'd go out for a really long time and play, you know, it was more, we'd go out and play like five dates with the band, you know, we play three dates with the band, you know, sharing cities with bands, you know, that kind of stuff. And then shortly after that, um, we did a tour with uh, soul asylum right after uh, 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 superstar car wash came out and, and, uh, that was the next really big tour that we did. And that yeah. was a huge, yeah, that was they, a huge point, tour. They were, they were a big band at that point. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. They had just uh, pretty much runaway train was on MTV. Yeah. 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 The Green yeah. Dancers Union or whatever. Yeah. And then while we were on tour, another song was kind of bubbling up, but you know, it's funny, man, we thought those shows, we always thought those shows were so huge. Like our, like in my memory, you know, yeah. there were these enormous shows, but like, like I think back and they're really only like about 1200 people at a lot of, you know, at most of them, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, people yeah, at yeah. most of them. But like, I remember being a kid and being like, what the, what the look at all these people, man, how do they do this? You know, <laughs> but, um, you know, a great opportunity for, so, oh, no, no, you know what? Excuse me. I'm wrong. We did the replacements tour before oh, that's that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> replacements. 
Who are they just they, got replaced right? with that other bands. Hey, Terry and the Headhunters open for the replacements too, so it's like it's no big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think we did like I don't know, probably like eighteen, maybe eighteen dates with them. And and what year uh, was that? Was that was that the Don't Tell a Soul? That would have been. Um, well, George was still in the band, so uh, yeah, yes, yes, it would have been Don't Tell a Soul. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tommy was in the uh, uh, Tommy and Paul weren't drinking at the time and uh, they were awesome. Man. Yeah. It was, were yeah. Awesome every night. And I'll tell you what the greatest thing about that tour was, was sitting and watching the replacements 18 nights in a row. Like, yeah, um, unbelievable, man. So much fun. You know, you know, and, you know, that's funny. There's been a few tours that I've been on that like opening for the band is kind of fun. But it's like, like, like we did like a whole bunch of dates with the Stones and like, it was cool playing with the Stones, but like, nobody's there to see you play, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, but the coolest thing about it was, was getting to watch the Stones play like with eight people, you know, cause there's only 10 people allowed in the arena during soundcheck, I- you know, and you're one of them. And like, you're yeah, just yeah. sitting there watching the Stones play going now. Like this is this is why I did this, you know. <laughs> like, I never in my life thought that I'd be able to do this right now, and, and just it's so, so you, just so you know that feeling of like being the opening band and no one's there to see you. I remember Tremendo open for you guys at Black. <laughs> I've lived that. <laughs> we we made so much money because I had long sleeve shirts for sale and it was cold and like. <laughs> Our friend John was selling. He's like, he's like, I've sold like thirty shirts. People are freezing. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you you have what the people want. You're gonna sell. Yeah. And I remember meeting Lou Giordano there. So that was like right before uh, Boy Named Goo. Yeah. And he was yeah, a really he... cool guy because he had done uh, some of my friends' albums that band Hypno Love Wheel. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and so great. like we were talking about that when I mean, you guys are starting to play, and it's like what a weird fucking world I'm in right now. You know, it's like, yeah, you guys are suddenly like really starting to become this huge thing. And it was like such a cool thing to witness, like the, the, the growth from where you guys were like these guys, like running into each other on stage to where it was like, you had command of this big audience and it just kept getting bigger. And it was, it was so, so much fun to watch that. And know like these guys, like, you know fought for this and are getting their reward and that that was i always felt that that was a really great thing about you guys is that the work you put in paid off well you know i mean we 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 feel like we got to keep keep doing that same thing you know and yeah which is why you're still going and and i think that's and i think part of that's the the sort of buffalo mentality man it's the way you grow up you know like you, you know like we grew up waiting for the other shoe to drop at all times you know and, and yeah and and you know you got to dig yourself out before you can go to work you know like you know that's that's something that people learn when they grow up in the northeast and and um you know so we just always want to make sure that we're able to do what we do and you know and just so so we keep at it yeah that's I, I, one thing I, I do remember when Jed came out, uh, records came out on a Tuesday back then. And I was working at Record Theater in the warehouse. And I called you up because we got it like the week before. 
I was like, we've got boxes on this record here. And you're like, I didn't even get one. So you came over to the Death Ranch to get a copy of it. And you yeah, brought that Lance Diamond right. with you. And I, barely, I didn't really know Lance at all. And the three of us just hung out at the bar in the dining room at the Death Ranch. Yeah, listening yeah. to Jen. And I was like, this is the coolest album release party ever. <laughs> so so let's get into that. Like, how did you guys hook up with Lance Diamond? Like, where did that come from? And Kind of tell people about Lance Diamond for those who don't know, because there's probably a lot of people who listen to this that don't. Yeah, Lance Lance is a, a where uh, was a uh, a um, lounge singer, uh, R and B singer mm-hmm. uh, that uh, I lived above uh, in uh, in uh, the late '80s. I moved in upstairs from him, and uh, he's a. Uh, uh, amongst a certain generation, he's probably one of the most known faces in the city of Buffalo, you know, local, local legend really. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, one night we're sitting around late at night, we became really good friends and we were sitting around late at night, night one night and said, you know, it would be great to have you come down and, and play at the continental with us. And he laughed, you know, cause Lance would go out at night and stuff but you know and he'd go to the continental but he would never go up on stage because that's sort of not his scene you know i mean like if you can picture lance he's sort of like like shaft but like in a sailor suit (laughs) 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 he was the ultimate showman yeah yeah he's just amazing like yeah when he got on stage he was on yeah Yeah, so so, with you guys in front of like 2000 kids or or like just at the Elmwood lounge on a yeah, Friday absolutely. night with like 30 people. He was on always. Yeah, absolutely. So so we start so we did a show with him in Buffalo and 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 it was really exciting and we ended up over the years recording three songs on 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 the early Google Dolls, you know, the the more raucous uh Google Dolls records and we uh did shows with them all around the country. We flew them all around the country to play shows out uh, a couple times out in Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York city and Chicago. And, and that, that MTV video. Um, yeah. Alternative thing. Yeah. 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 We did an MTV performance with them and stuff. And uh, that was, that was once again, just a really exciting time, you know, in Buffalo music, you know, we got to sort of bridge like a lot of sort of, generations you know within the buffalo music scene and lance passed away uh about four years ago now and um uh we actually run a scholarship in his name through music is art too so so yeah yeah my stepdad uh back and we're talking this is probably like i don't know 88 or something uh one time was like oh yeah Lance Diamond's helping out that those young kids that Goo Goo Dolls band like he's totally doing them a favor and like working with them and helping them out. And I remember just thinking like, who is Lance Diamond? Like, what are you talking about? No, nah, but you know what? I'll tell you what. He did teach me some things, man. That that I probably wouldn't have known. You know, I mean, undoubtedly, like you know, it, it, he he uh, he really treated music as a business and it that was something that i was purely incapable of for for most of my life and um so now i remember a lot of the things that he talked talked to me about you know when i was younger you know i remember one time having a conversation with him i was probably six in the morning and we're sitting out after being out at some club all night and 
I'm like, Lance, why do you, why do you keep playing cover songs? You know, like I, I couldn't understand it. I just couldn't get it. And he looked at me and he goes, Robbie, I just love to play, man. And I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's the answer. You know, like I, you know, you don't have to go any further. And he was paying his rent because he was playing music and, and he was happy because he was playing music. And like, that was one of the greatest lessons I ever and learned. Made, and he made a lot of people happy too. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. You know why? Because he loved what he did. Yeah. And, and, and you could tell when he was doing it. You could tell when he was up there. Here's, here's a business lesson I learned from him. When Jen and I were getting married, we, we looked into uh, having him play. And so we had a meeting with him. <laughs> we went down to the Elmwood Lounge. And we had a meeting with him. And it was like really weird because I'm like, okay, hey, he said, I go, so guys, you guys are my friends, but I got a band to pay. So I got to charge you the regular price. And we're like, no, yeah, no problem, no problem. But it was like, he was like, really like, kind of break this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, man, he just, like, he's, take he's, our money, take our money. Yeah, he was, he was, he, he was the best man. And, and, uh, you know, when I didn't have a place to stay, you know, he, you know, his house was always open to me and, and, and uh, you know, it happened a lot, you know, in the early days. And, uh, you know, he was just a guy who really, you know, he, 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 he admired the, our, our, uh, excitement and, and our drive and stuff. And, and I think that, you know, he found it really, really exciting. And, um, you, you know, we just love to listen to him talk and we just love to listen to him tell us stories about, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the way things were, you know, back, you know, in like the late sixties and seventies, you know, when he was caught up through, through, through the music scene and stuff. And, 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 you know, so it was just, it was an amazing relationship, you know, through the years. And I think really unlikely, you know, people used to see us hanging around together and just be like, what is going on? You know, what, you know, <laughs> what is going on with these two, you know, but, you know, for, you know, we just really, you know, had a, had a, you know, had a deep admiration for each other. So sure. what's your, uh, what's your favorite Lance Diamond story? Uh, I called him one time. He said, Robbie, call me anytime. I said, okay. So I called him one time. It's late. And he goes, Robbie, what's up? And I go, nothing. Can you talk? He goes, well, I got company and I'm in the tub and I'm in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> and he hung the phone up. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> I got company and I'm in a tub. Click. <laughs> but to your credit, he answered the phone. Yeah, he did. He, <laughs> he did. <laughs> there's a, there's a guy. I assume he's in Buffalo, but he made a very limited run of Goo Goo Dolls Zero Tower and Lance Diamond tribute shirts. Oh, that's cool. And I, I don't remember where I put it. I should have left it out, and I don't remember where I put it. But uh, it's, it's a great shirt. It's got the, like, oh, zero awesome. tolerance sneaker with Goo Goo Dolls. And on the back, a picture of Lance with, like, one of your song lyrics. Oh, that's definitely, It's definitely a cool shirt. That's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Covers you guys always had merch, too. And, like, you know, local bands didn't really ever have merch. Oh, like So much merch at that you time. You weren't going to buy a... Um, 
you know, uh, Memphis Drug Factory T-shirt, you know, or something like that. <laughs> but you know, like none well, of those guys were going to wear a T-shirt, let alone make one. But you know, you we, guys always had yeah. like, really, really cool shirts and stuff. Well, we figured that stuff out early. You know, like you know, it, it's it, it's so hard to be a band. You know, and and you know, once again, there were some people who were patrons of the arts in Buffalo. You know, who really helped us out. You know, and really did their best to. Yeah, make sure that in our lean times we weren't getting thrown out of our houses and stuff like that. And I'll and and I'll always be thankful to those people, you know. But we also realized that along the way you can pick up an extra few hundred dollars, you know, um, you know, by having a good run of stuff that you know you can just bring around with you, and you know, make sure that yeah. you got different stuff all the time too. And and yeah. you know, we still try to do that once again. I would say that I kind of knew that you guys were going to be bigger than what people expect through your shirts because i remember like one of the first shirts that i had was the red with just the goo goo dolls logo on it mm-hmm. and like when you dried it it became all misshapen and weird <laughs> but then you had the shirt with like the van and the characters of you guys yeah. in it, and, and that shirt was like on another level quality wise it was like other oh, going places like they're, for real <laughs> they're into the they're they're into the haynes bpts now yeah yeah like yeah they've stepped it up there's like multi-screens on this thing the shirt contains its shape like yeah they know what's going on when you went from 50-50 to 100%, that was... That was <laughs> I remember there was one shirt you guys had that, that like, we all got, and then, like, somebody, like, washed it, and it all faded out. So, like, I was like, oh, I can't I, I can't wear this. Or I don't want to ruin it. You know what I mean? Like, so I never... Yeah, literally, literally, the, those red shirts you were talking about before yeah. that, that got all... Like, that was, like, my favorite shirt for, like, years. It was, like, all, like, weird. Yeah. It got like, so oh, jacked up when you yeah. lost it, but it was a great shirt. But it was like, I remember because we didn't, I mean, you know, we didn't have a dryer. We were that family. Yeah. yeah. So I would have to like wring shirts out and hang them. And it would be like hanging on the line and the bottom would be like 45 degrees. Yeah. And it was, it's they not a half that. shirt. It's not a real shirt. Like, what that. is this? Yeah, and then was, and then I remember shortly after that we made these shirts that were fluorescent orange that oh, had the yeah. same, that had the same thing. And we Those said this great. time we're not going to, yeah, and we got really like quality shirts, and we got these shirts that were uh, uh, like like we screened them in white, and then we double screened them in orange. But the problem with those is you could literally just stand up. There was so much yep. paint on them, you could just stand them up. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you'd have to like we lean always, on like, them to fold them. <laughs> we always called them like they're either like armor plates or turtlebacks, depending yeah. on where it was. <laughs> and you were definitely sweating under it. It was just like, yeah, oh. Uh, merch disasters uh, <laughs> so here's a so i always i i'm always because you know these guys know and you obviously know like teenage fan club is one of my favorite bands of all time and i always wonder if like 30 years ago when they came up with that name they were going to think that there were going to be guys in their 50 year there would be guys in their mid 50s like having to explain well yeah we're called teenage fan club it's our band <laughs> you know? so in hindsight do you ever regret Coming up with a band name, you did. <laughs> but it's it's better than the first one. So. Yeah, what's the first one? <laughs> Our band was originally. Uh, you can go on Wikipedia and find that out. <laughs> so Wikipedia says that that was a joke and not actually the name. Uh, really? Yeah. Does it? Well, then yeah. that must be true. Yeah, it must be true. <laughs> yeah, it must be true. It's on the internet. <laughs> That's actually, that's actually not that bad a name now. No. When you think about all the band names you've seen since then. You know, you know what? Like, the, 
you know what? That's point. another that's another tour that we did early on. Uh, we opened for a teenage fan club and a band called Royal Trucks over in uh, uh, Europe. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. weird. That's like my yeah. whole New York City experience all rolled into one ball. Yeah. Royal Trucks were on Caroline, I think, for a little while, too. Or at yeah, least members of when they were in Pussy Galore. I was going to say, yeah. I've never even heard of that band. Royal Trucks? Yeah. yeah, the drummer Yeah, the drummer was Artemis Pyle from uh, from uh, Leonard Skinner's son. Yeah, that's yeah, the only yeah. Th- yeah that, that's the only thing I remember about them. They were like they the were like in the, the, uh, what, was, what was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I hung out with all those people when I worked at Caroline. Like you couldn't escape those people. Like uh, yeah, the, you know, and I was into the melodic stuff, and they were all into the like noise, nah, 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 nah. you know, like uh, thing. But the Royal Trucks ended up on Virgin and you know having a career out of it. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We went over there and we were like first on the three band bill. Which uh, is not the greatest place to be in the UK, but but it's but it was uh, once again a great experience for us. <laughs> yeah, I I remember also uh, you guys took Buffalo Tom on the road once, and Bill 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 still to this day is like you guys were the best of them. They they really uh, how you treated them and everything. You know what? That almost didn't happen. You know why? Because we felt silly having those guys play before us, man, because we were such huge fans of yeah. the band, you know, and and, you know, we were kind of, you know, they were kind of a bigger band than we were. And, you know, we started getting kind of bigger than them. And that opportunity came around and 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 we were like, we can't have those guys play before us. And But I'm really glad we did. We We ended up getting to know them. Yeah, well they're, the, they're the and, best guys. And, yeah, and I could so, see that being a lot of fun to be around each other. Yeah. yeah so for, for sure. people who don't know, because our podcast has a particular audience of a particular mm-hmm. age, who was Buffalo Tom? Uh, garage, uh, um, a um, uh, alternative rock and roll band from Boston. Uh, they kind of sounded in the late '80s. Uh, they kind of like were like Dinosaur Junior. Like early dinosaur yeah. junior, but but more melodic in a way, or or more. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to call it, but they, they kind of felt like they were in that same vein. But then they developed into like just a, a band. If you ever watched My Soul Called Life, they're on that, and I'm sure oh, yeah. everyone, like, who, everyone who was in hardcore back in the '90s watched My Soul My Soul Called Life. I did not, but a lot of people <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say that's how you can tell who stayed from the 90s, if they watched that or not. <laughs> and we didn't, and you know, here we are. I know the characters, <laughs> I didn't watch the show. So. <laughs> I never watched it. I only watched it because my friends were on it. I was like, oh, Buffalo Tomorrow, the only show is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the Flaming Lips on 902, and, uh, Beverly Hills 90210. That you I think I remember. Not that I watched TV? it. Were you ever on any TV shows? Oh man, so many. Yeah, um, we're on we're on th- we're on the Tonight Show seventeen times. Um, yeah, we were on. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, oh God, let me think. Nine hundred two one zero. We were on Drew yeah. Carey show. We we're on the uh, who's the uh, Wicked uh, Wicked Game? Who's that guy? Chris, oh, Chris uh, Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, we we're on the Chris Isaac show. We were ever on... do Dennis Miller? N- n- no, no, no. We we're on Charmed. We're uh, yeah, we're on we're on uh, American Idol. We're on The Boys. We're on. Uh, That's great. I don't know, man. So many. It's like so many. Letterman. That's all. Um, That's, that must be such a wild experience. You know, like yeah, you know, or like a boring experience, right? Because you spend the whole day sitting around waiting. 
Nah, yeah, it's always it's always nerve wracking and fun though. You know, yeah. like just to be in a different experience. You know, like the morning shows. Like we've done all the morning shows. You know, the Today Show and Good Morning America, and you know all those uh, all, all those early things, and then the midday shows, Ellen and Rosie yeah. O'Donnell, and you know, and all those shows. You know, this is just over the years we've done them yeah. all. You know, this um, was not back in the eighties. This was uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We just did. We just did our. We just did the Macy's Day Parade for the third time. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, you know, we've done Rockefeller Center tree lighting a few times. The like, hockey game? Hockey games. Yeah. Like, uh, like the, the outdoor game at, uh, <clears throat> which, one, which one was that? Where, what? Yeah. Yeah. We did the, the one in New York. That's right. The Sabres yeah. and the Rangers outdoors. Yeah. 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 We've done a couple of those. We've done, uh, we did the, the, the ball drop at, at 2000 in Times Square for MTV. Um, Wild. Yeah, just so many, just so many, man. I've, I've, I'm missing like some of the big ones too. You know, with the, well, uh, we did a couple of the Olympics on TV. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. We've done a lot of fun stuff, man. It's so, always hard for me to wrap my head around the level that you guys are at, having seen you like in the '80s and the shows yeah. you played then. <laughs> like, it's, it's always hard for me to wrap my head around when people are like. Dude, the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm like, what about them? We got. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what do you want? <laughs> so I wanted to switch gears a little bit here, like take a, a, a massive left turn off yeah. the road here. But um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the band Sam I Am, and yeah. I know that you mixed uh, their third album. How did that? How did you end up doing that? Like, how did that come about? Well, I I, I was involved in, in in making the record. I didn't actually mix the record myself. I was okay. I was yeah I was involved in the mix though uh, with. Um, Armand Petrie, mm-hmm. um, Armand, Armand actually produced the record. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, Sam, I am, uh, they had heard, uh, I forget whichever record we put out prior to them doing Billy, which is the album that they did here. Yeah. Probably the, probably the third one, uh, uh, superstar maybe. Or before superstar. Hold me up. Yeah, hold me up. up. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was probably hold me up. And uh, so they had heard that. So they decided to come in and we did a few bands, a band called Boneyard came and made a record there. Um, was Boneyard yeah. from Buffalo? Where, where were they from? No, they're from uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I know that they, or yeah. I'm pretty sure they were supposed to play or did play the record release show, the Jed record release show, the ZT and Manic Depression played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, they, I always wonder, like, I was always like, what the hell is Boneyard? Yeah. <laughs> So Sam I Am recorded that record here in Buffalo? Yeah, it was all recorded uh, up at what is now GCR Audio. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm looking on Discogs and it says that you mixed the record. And I, yeah, I remember I seeing at, your name on the on the liner notes when I bought the record, but so we'll go yeah, on. Yeah, I was yeah, I was there. I was there during the mixes, but 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 I I don't think I, I certainly didn't mix it on my own though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Armand was Armand was Armand was the you know was spearheading that project, but they spent a lot of time in Buffalo making that record. Though I think they were there for almost a month, probably, which is pretty long time, you know, for that. Well, time. You're, break, you're breaking Mark's heart. Him not knowing this. With, well, <laughs> I just I, I saw it on. I remember seeing your name on the record when I got it, like way back when. But then 
I just never thought of it until now, again, until now, until like recent times. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was, uh, that was a, that was a pretty great time for Buffalo. I think, you know, I think that, I think that, you know, there were people who were kind of starting to look at the, at, at the city at that point and kind of starting to look at some of the bands and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, it was nice to see bands coming from out of town, you know, to kind of, you know, uh, get a little of what they heard on our records, you know, from the same places and the same people that were making those records. So, you know, it was, you know, it was cool to see. Speaking of recording uh, some bands, like you recorded the Mag Depression Rat Trap CD and, mm-hmm. you know, Zero Tolerance Bad Blood. And I didn't mm-hmm. know until recently you did the first Napcase 7-inch when Chris Kayla sang for them. Yeah. Do you have, like, any memories from those recordings or, like, commentary? You know, we... Yeah, we would just go do them, you know, quickly, you know, it was a, you know, it was a quick, it it was a quick uh, record on most of them, you know, we'd come in in the afternoon and kind of knock them out. I think the, I think the Snapcase thing, I think they, I I think Doug White mixed it, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, but the Zero Tolerance thing we did there and and Manic Depression. And like I said, I did um, the uh, Pathetic Fallacy. John and I actually did the uh, the uh, uh, pathetic fallacy. Yeah, fallacy I, demo. yeah, I think it was just a tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. it was just a tape that they released. And uh, yeah, and we were you know doing the fems and mm-hmm. um, you know the pinheads and you know like you know a lot of bands of that time you know at the same time. Yeah, yeah. We just we just did a man with dropped a manic depression episode and they talked about recording with you and how you commented on something about how like they just like came in and banged it out as fast as they could. And how they yeah. only had like 10 minutes of tape. So they had to keep going back over it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. We had, we had, they bought like a, like, you know, like, you know, we didn't have any tape laying around. So they bought like a, a, a real, so we do a bunch of songs, mix them and then put the tapes back up again and record more. <laughs> good. I remember that recording at uh, Trackmaster, now GCR, was always a lot of fun back then. And I, I can imagine it must've been really cool for you to, to uh, to get that building and to, to, to have your own stamp on it as opposed like the place where you did all your work, you know, it's like, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, we, we were building it. We were going to do a lot of Google house records. There is sort of what the idea was. And we did something for the rest of us there and realized that most of the people that we worked with were kind of all over the place. And, and, and so at that point we sort of started making records all over the place, you know, yeah. um, so uh, we decided to kind of change it into more of a commercial space, you know, and uh, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing to kind of watch what's going on in Buffalo right now. Like there's really like a, like within the hip hop community right now, it's crazy what's going on in Buffalo right now. Like, I mean, it's really That's, unbelievable to watch, man. Have, yeah. and, have, you been, uh, have you been kind of following that whole Griselda thing? I know some of them have recorded there. Yeah, we do man like pretty much most of what they do in buffalo i would say the majority of what they do in buffalo we we do and uh we've yeah we have a great relationship with those guys and it's amazing to be part of that whole situation because like it really is for real like you know it's amazing to 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 see it just you know happen for real and you know um you know watch you know the rise of it you know and the level of the the level of DIY that those guys are doing, like they do it all themselves. Like it's, it's yeah. their thing. And like, 
alternative and like hardcore and punk bands have always been like DIY, DIY, and then looking for someone else to help them. And these guys are just like, <laughs> no, it's this, this is us. This is what we do. I just watch yeah. them rise. Like they've got a store in the freaking gallery of mall. They made a movie. You know, they've got <laughs> That's like great. That's crazy. Their, their records literally the hour after they sell become triple digit in value. Like it's, it's just insane watching this happen. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. coming from Buffalo and that like, again, it's like everything's interconnected, you know, like the, the Google dolls Griselda connection, who knew, you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, once again, part of the strength of the community there, you know, like, you know, like, like I said at the beginning when we were talking, you know, I mean, there, there really is a sense of community, um, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I think anything people can do to help, you know, they, you know, they really do try to do, you know, like, you know, it's been a thing, I think, uh, you know, you know, uh, like I said, just watching this scene grow here in Buffalo and, 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 and watching how, like, watching Griselda grow, but even watching what Griselda growing is doing to everything else that's going on in Buffalo. Like, yeah. like, it's amazing how, how that community is just like activated creatively right now. You know, you know, the whole, the whole scene, you know, has just sort of riven, risen to another level, man. I think it's, I think, I think it's, I think it's cool. And then you throw in like the success of every time I die. I mean, Oh my God. Unbelievable. Know, it's just unbelievable. Crazy. I mean, these these annoying kids who used to buy <laughs> crappy records from me at Home of the Hits are now like you know they're they're like shows at Riverworks every year. They're... Dude, it's crazy that band's like the new metal Led Zeppelin, man. You know, <laughs> it's, it's you know really it's unbelievable, man. Like you know like like you mentioned every time I die, people are just like oh oh <laughs> yeah no, yeah and 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 like it, it's just such an unbelievably nice bunch of guys to you know like like it, it's almost unbelievable that those evil sounds come from those folks yeah. you know once you get to meet them yeah. and I, I know for and i first i know firsthand they look up to you guys so much because of the path you've taken and making a career out of this and you know uh -huh. obviously it got derailed a little bit in the last year uh, as you as everybody did but um you know, that new album is going to be pretty monster when that comes out. The, yeah, absolutely. Man. Your place. Yep, cool. ab absolutely. And it sounds great. Yeah, they just dropped a single recently, actually. There's like and, three uh, songs, I think, so far out. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's not my thing, but when mm. I hear it, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, it's like, it, like, once again, you're like, wow, where did this come from? Like, <laughs> who who decided to do this? You know, seriously. <laughs> yeah. When I when I um when when they 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 opened up for Fall Out Boy at the arena and I was I was there early and watched, I was they were sound checking, and this guy, there's all these people around like Marcel was there back then you know and all these this one guy like who who um you know short hair tattoo you know t white t shirt he's uh, talking to this other guy and he just goes and every time I die sound checking he goes. These guys are every band's favorite band. And I thought that was the <laughs> coolest thing you could say about them. Yeah. And then later, like, Fall Out Boy go on. And I was like, oh, that was the drummer of Fall Out Boy who said that. You know, I, I had no idea who he was, you know. It was like, but I was like, that that is the coolest thing about Buffalo to have a Buffalo band be everybody's favorite band. Every band's yeah. favorite band. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a cool thing. 
Definitely. I guess we could have said that about you guys back in the day when we were all like struggling to like make music. It's like it's like the Google Dolls are every band's favorite band. No, no, no. Except no. suicidals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't like <laughs> <us> so much. <laughs> Not suicidals favorite band. So um to go on to something else, how did what prompted you to come up with like the idea for like music is art? Um, we, we, I, I had just opened Chameleon West, which, uh, is down at 510 Franklin street, which actually GCR has just opened another room in. So mm-hmm. we're actually functioning out of the old studio now as well. But, um, yeah, we had the studio down there and Allentown was happening and there were going to be a hundred thousand people in my neighborhood. And, uh, so I figured why not put some bands in my parking lot. And apparently that wasn't a great idea according to some people and it caused a huge problem with the with the downtown folks and the city got involved and it got in the paper and on all the news channels and and it made an awful lot of people come down to our uh, little party that we had and um uh yeah and it stayed there for a while and uh now we're on going on year 18 here crazy Wow, it's been that long. So it's yeah. yeah. I know. I was going to say, like, I feel like Allentown has probably changed a lot in the last 30 years because my dad lived in Days Park. And uh, I don't know if you know, like, Days Park, but, like, at the top of the U, because Days Park was, like, the U mm-hmm. with the little cement of Allentown. If you, like, went on the other side of that street, you were, like, kind of taking your life in your own hands. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I was I was back recently because I live in New York City now recently being a year or two ago and i was walking around there it was completely different it was just like and i know it's not because i'm like an adult now like it's definitely changed yeah so like i yeah. can imagine like trying to do this in allentown the pe- people who have changed allentown may not be so receptive to like a, a concert in a parking lot you know well, yeah yeah it caused a, it caused a big problem but, but, but plus uh, it was more the art festival right i mean that was it was the, the art festival people yeah it was the art mm. festival people that didn't want us to do it and uh and uh so but you know that was you know that was a long time ago and we've been and we've been at a few places since uh the last few well actually last year was just online of course uh due to covid but but we still managed to have 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 16 stages of live music playing down at, at uh, silo city and broadcast the majority of them with with uh varied amounts of success but but uh but uh i think you know we learned an awful lot and you know keeping in the world's largest backyard carnival spirit <laughs> that music is art has always had uh you know i think we pulled it off and i think that we'll keep involving that aspect into the festival even when people get there now because you know we got a great participation rate from outside of buffalo man you know people were you know expats and you know folks from all over you know whose friends bands were playing and stuff you know were excited to support the idea and uh you know that was really valuable to us so i I definitely think it's it's worth doing again yeah i would say one thing that i've always respected about you guys is that you you always had like for the most part, local bands play your record release shows and some other shows, you know, like Snapcase played one, obviously Zero Tolerance and Manic Depression played one. Tremendo and I played saw one. Tremendo played one. Yeah, I can't forget <laughs> Tremendo. Hashtag Tremendo. Uh, Tugboat Annie, Tugboat Annie real, yeah, played that one too. That, oh, that so yeah, there's were, a name you don't hear often. They were uh, stuck to build their thing. I, 
I did their first thing as well. Uh, Tugboat Andy's oh, first that's uh, recording. The yeah, Elmar, yeah. Elmar. Yeah, Elmar. Elmar, yeah. yeah I did nice. that first one. And uh, MILF. MILF as well. <laughs> recording as well, yeah. This is not the first time MILF has come up on this podcast, believe it or <laughs> that, not. Was, that was me. That was me. Yeah, yeah that would be you. Uh, but what I was going to say is I, I was, I noticed that on, you know, on this, like this festival thing that you do, you have like tension and like the painkillers play who really are like kind of Buffalo only type bands. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people really outside of Buffalo nah. know about those bands, you know, and they've been around on and off forever. Yeah. I get a, I get a charge out of putting, tension on the same stage as like you know some group of 17 year old kids playing punk rock like <laughs> yeah, yeah. like i get it i get a huge charge out of watching that happen like i don't know i don't know if you take a look at those stages ever but that stage that happens at music is art every year is exactly designed like that old band young band older band younger band old yeah, band yeah. younger band yeah, and yeah. like these people are watching each other and they're like like you could see it in their eyes like both of them you can see it in their eyes you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like you know, they're, they're like, wow. I, you know? I had the honor of, of playing two of those at the Riverworks the last bunch of years. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, you know, I'm piggybacking on someone else's success in history. When I do that, I'll, you know what I'm talking about, Robbie. But um, uh, it's, it's, it's such a cool feeling to be playing. And then, like, um, um, one of your – the Japanese band, you have, oh, why am I completely spacing on their name right now? Oh, uh, Molise or PDP? Yeah, Molise. Like, they're, like, watching yeah. us play, and I'm just like, this is really cool. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I'm watching them play, and I'm like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And then I look over, and then you're like, you ride by on your bicycle and watch us for a few minutes. And I'm like, this is the best day of my life right now. <laughs> 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 playing in front of, like, a thousand people inside Riverworks. <laughs> playing with, like, these guys who are, like, my heroes. And, and Robbie's like bobbing his head. I'm like, this is this is everything I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> ripping, ri- ripping through a thousand people on a bicycle. That's safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that sounds like the perfect life to me. <laughs> That's always the most fun. Well, it's, been, it's probably safer than a golf cart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Or you think you think you're gonna have it this year, or will you think it'll be virtual again? This oh year? yeah. Oh no. Oh no. We'll have something this year. We'll have okay. something. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure something out. Like, I don't know if it'll be, you know, what it in the same form as it mm-hmm. was, but 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 we're gonna make something happen for sure. Very cool. So this is a totally random question. It has nothing to do with anything. But uh, do you have the painkillers record? Uh, did I have it? Because <laughs> apparently sure a, no one has it. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I'm sure we had a cassette laying around the house somewhere at some yeah. point. Here's, here's the thing: when he brought that up the last time I was on this thing with them, I was like, "Did the Painkillers made an album?" Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, there was definitely, and it was on BCMK. I had no yeah, idea. How did yeah. Yeah. Missed that completely. Yeah. There was definitely a Painkillers album for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah no, I've seen the label and stuff, and I'm yeah. just like, yeah. How do I, how do I not remember anything about it? Yeah. Apparently, Paulie, from what I've been told, I mean, there are some people who have it. There's like a handful of people, like Johnny Chow has it. A handful of people have the actual record. <laughs> but apparently Paulie has boxes of these at an ex-girlfriend's house <laughs> that's that's what i've heard and like i mean i've loved I, I, whenever painkillers come up i like start freaking gushing over the painkillers because i've loved the painkillers since i saw them with suicidal in 87 i had the tape lost the tape 
and I want the record so bad. And, and I even hear like a whisper of it. I'm like, I try to track it down. And like I said, apparently he has like a, you know, a bunch of these records of the next girlfriends, but it's just like, whatever about it. And I think the like, same thing happens with the enemies every once in a while, like a bunch yeah. of enemies records show up. <laughs> yeah. Like the You're same like, thing. Well, yeah. Fred, 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 like finds a box in his basement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now like uh, black dots has one, but they won't sell it. Uh uh, and it's apparently now it's also apparently a five hundred dollar record. Oh my um, god! Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. you never if, know. I think if you mentioned that to, to Paul, he would suddenly like find a way to be friends with that ex again and get those records. <laughs> I mean, I don't know him. Like, we want to have him on the pod. Well, I want to have him on the podcast at some point, but like, I don't have any connection to him. And really, I just want the freaking record. <laughs> he's all, he he's awesome paul was the very first person i met when i went to college like literally like i walked in and there was paul and uh yeah and so like wow i, I, I met him the same day i met john when uh when the beaumont or the, the yeah the beaumont's guys they were all i was back from college for a weekend or something and they i went up to bus state to hang out with them and john and his girlfriend at the time were living in one of those like attic apartments near Elmwood and Forest. It was something, and they had, and they were using, and the and George from the Beaumonts was using yeah. one of my uh, part of my drum set. And I was just like, yeah, I wasn't using it, so I was like, yeah, yeah, use it, use it. And then I was just like, and I just remember like, oh, this is who's the guy with the crazy hair, you know, John at the time. And and then, but then I was just like, this guy Paul was the most intense. But like, like super friendly, but like you could tell he, there was something yeah. special, you know, something really unique about him. And I was, I just remember kind of being like, I, I at that point I was like into art punk stuff, and yeah, you know, yeah. these guys were like really like, yeah, you know, we're 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 still punk, you know. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm listening to like Wire and Soft Boys records, and they're listening yeah. to Suicidal Tendencies yeah. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, yeah, I mean, there's, but, but anyway, the, Johnny ended up not paying rent or something like that maybe or but the landlord confiscated everything so i lost like all my drums and i was just like <laughs> i was just like i was like george was like oh yeah they're all gone but uh can i just give you 50 bucks i was like yeah no problem no problem but then i was like i was like yeah i, I missed that drum set sometimes <laughs> That was my first introduction to John. I have no I don't remember the whole story. And maybe it just got stolen. I don't know. It was just funny. That was on Claremont, I believe. Yes. Claremont yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That was the first time I had ever gone off Elmwood because I grew up in Orchard Park and I would go up mm. straight up Elmwood and I had no idea like anything east or west of there. I only knew record <laughs> theater and home of the hits, you know. And then a uh, yeah. There was uh, a record theater on Elmwood? No, no, no. Why well, on Main Street? I knew how to get oh, from okay. Main Street to you know the, to that, but I was we were we were, we hey, were guys, towners. Hey guys, I apologize, but I got to wrap this up fairly soon. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I'll ask him the. I guess I'll ask him the uh, the final question that we always ask. Well, let me let's do the let's do the top five thing and then the final question. Oh, you do that. Awesome. Do the top five thing. Uh, so what are your in the eighties? What are your top five Buffalo bands? From the 80s, uh, let's see. Well, the Femmes I always loved. Um, let's see. The Celibates were great. Uh, uh, who else did I love back then? 
Null stat was pretty cool. Um, let's see. Uh, there was a band called Powder French that was kind of cool. And uh, let me think of one more. Uh, and Electroman. Oh, Freeling yeah. Gets Mark, Mark, Mark. Freeling gets, yeah, yeah, Freeling gets two. You know, yeah. and like I was, we didn't even get the chance to really talk about Mark Freeland. So, real quick, do you have any like Mark Freeland stories? Uh, yeah, man. Before uh, we go over your time limit, yeah, amazing guy. Uh, I still got a scar on my back from where he bit me. He's uh, <laughs> he's, he's 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 amazing, dude, man. No, really, uh, uh, a great artist. You know, still to this day, he's having an effect on people's lives, man. Yeah, and you know, um, really, you know, uh, my daughter's a fan. You know, it's, it's, you know, and, you know, and she's eight, you know, or, or excuse me, nine. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. He's just amazing. And um, I think, uh, you know, his partner, Carl is doing a great job, uh, you know, uh, keeping his legacy alive too, which I think is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Does Mighty Taco still use his art or do they move past that? Oh, uh, no, I think they move past that. I believe. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's owned by a, a corporation now actually. Mm. Yeah. Okay, the final question. Well, you know, our podcast is about uh, about Buffalo, like bands, releases, stuff like that, particular eras. Who do you think we should have on this podcast next or in the near future? Hmm. I think, have you had Fred Mann on yet? That's who I think you should have on. I think you should have Fred Mann on. For, yeah, yeah, from uh, The Enemies, yeah. Yeah, he'd he'd uh, he'd give you a lively conversation. I can guarantee you that, man. One hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, guys. Thank Dude, you. this was a lot of fun, man. This yeah, was a lot of fun. I, I I felt like I was hanging around like on the, at the pink, man. This was fun, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You. I don't know <laughs> if you've like unless trouble was caused. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know if you've like seen our logos or anything, but our initial logo is definitely a rip off of the old Guru Dolls logo. Oh, amazing. God bless you, man. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, awesome, this is, this is well, definitely like a grail moment for us. So thank yeah, you very well, much. Well, I'll, well, I'll tell you what, man. It's 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 awesome you guys are doing this, man. There's so many great stories, and there's so many you know unbelievably colorful people that are involved, you know, in this whole thing. So you know, uh, uh, kudos to you guys for uh, moving forward with this whole thing. It's really exciting. And Eric, great to like see it. you again too, brother. Great, great to see you as always. Uh, yeah. You know, all my love to you, and and tell okay. tell John I say hi. I will, man. I'll see you tomorrow morning.